Hello, Allison. Hey, Joey. How are you today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm hanging in there. Yeah. Same. <laughs> uh, how was your day? Hectic. <laughs> <laughs> I'm also running on very few hours of sleep, though, so I think that makes, at least for me, it makes my fuse shorter because I'm more concerned about potentials for seizures, and I'm more concerned about uh, trying to be the best person on little energy that I can be, and it can just kind of get a little hectic. Well, I can imagine, yeah. It's, uh, I just woke from a nap, too, so I'm a little... I don't know. I'm jealous. <laughs> I'd love I, a nap right now, but that's not about to happen. <laughs> Well, if it makes you feel any better, it didn't last long. Eh, nap is still a nap. I think nap time should be mandatory for adults. Yeah, it's always nice. When you can get it, it is. Uh, yeah, so... Yeah, we're talking some heavy stuff today. Yeah, we are. Um, for those of you that don't know, we are now in November... It is November 4th, Monday. Yay. Also, my sister's birthday. So happy birthday, little sister. I love you. Um, <laughs> happy birthday, Allison's sister. Um, November is uh, Suicide Awareness Month, for those of you who aren't familiar with that. It is also uh, Invisible, Awareness, Invisible Illness Awareness Month. I can talk today, I promise. Um, <laughs> So uh, two topics that really aren't talked about, and then when they are talked about, they're very stigmatized. You know, you, you have suicide, which is a heavy topic that a lot of people just kind of ignore. They don't want to discuss it because it, it's painful. It's painful if you've ever had suicidal thoughts or tendencies or ideation. It's painful if you've ever lost anyone to suicide. It's just, it's one of those topics that even if your life hasn't been touched personally by it, you know somebody who has, and it kind of makes you uncomfortable. So I understand that. And then on the aspect of invisible illnesses, most of the invisible illnesses, people either feel uh, don't belong under the invisible illness category or umbrella, or they feel like they're not big issues. And I have to tell you, as somebody who has multiple invisible illnesses, uh, they are a big deal. <laughs> they suck. Um, they drain the life out of you um, in more ways than one. And they kind of go hand in hand with mental illness when it comes to the topic of stigma. So November is just a really awesome month for awareness for some of the biggest stigmas that we have surrounding uh, mental health and uh, personal illness. Yeah. And also this, and it's also No Shave November, which uh, raises awareness for men's, is it, is it testis testicular cancer? I believe so, but I'm not yeah. positive. Um, let me... I have my computer open right now because I'm, I'm doing some editing on book two. So let me look that up. Yeah. I, oh, shave I, I 
That's that. I mean, that's only something I've heard attached to it a couple of times. Everyone just says no shave November. So there's a, there's a couple reasons behind no shave November. Uh, it is cancer awareness. Yeah. For obviously, you know, some cancer patients, but not all do lose uh, their hair, and it's about embracing that. Um, it is also for uh, men's lesser known cancers, like you mentioned, testicular cancer or um, prostate cancer. Yeah, or male breast cancer. Male breast cancer too, yes. Because as much as we love the whole save the tatas, uh, men are kind of excluded from that, which is very sad. Um, I believe it's also... Um, I'm trying to remember. I believe it's also for uh, hormonal differences. Okay. Like uh, for women who have hormonal imbalances um, and who, who grow facial hair or, or body hair or uh, men who have uh, trouble growing it. It's, it's, a, it's kind of a body positive movement in itself too. It's No Shave November is just kind of all over the place and I kind of adore it. Especially oh, since most People will continue to not shave until February when there's the St. Baldrick's shaving for donations for hair. And that's kind of awesome, too. So I haven't heard about that. Yeah. Uh, so in February, uh, there's something called St. Saint Baldrick's, which is a donation site where you can kind of raise money for uh, child cancer or just cancer in general. And then you have people or you can even just have a friend. Uh come in and they do a big like party where they'll shave heads or they'll trim uh, hair, you know, shorter and stuff like that. And you can donate 12 inches or more of hair to be used for wigs for cancer patients or uh, people with alopecia and the like. Oh. Yeah. It's really cool. My, uh, my college used to do it and my college boyfriend actually participated one year and it was weird. <laughs> Because I was so used to him having hair as long as mine. And then he came over the one day and it had been right after it. And I had had a seizure and it had been in the hospital. So I missed it. And I'm just like, oh, my God, it's all gone. <laughs> like, he looked really good with short hair. It, you know, uh, it was a good look for him. It was just kind of, it was that shock initially. But it's really cool. I've seen women do it. I've seen... Um, non-binary people participate I just I love it I think it's an awesome movement and if I ever grow my hair out long enough uh and can stop dyeing it to cover my gray hair and I just embrace the gray I might do it um <laughs> yeah, well I'm uh, I've had the beard going for a little bit now I mean before November but I'm I'm starting to get gray in my beard like in the chin area yeah, um, we've talked about this before, Joey and I. My partner, uh, he has uh, salt and pepper hair, and he's had it since we met when we were 16. And uh, I love it. I think it makes him very distinguished. And uh, <laughs> huh, I'm not going to say what else it makes me think. <laughs> yeah, well, I myself, I started noticing gray hairs about when I was 27, so 10 years ago. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, not, not not in my beard, but in my, uh, like, along my temples and, like, in the top of my, top of my forehead. Yeah, the, the stress yeah. places. I'm starting to get them in my temples and behind my ears, and I'm just finding them as I'm brushing my hair. 
And I just, I, I'm trying to embrace it with the idea of wrinkles as well, that I've earned these. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm, I don't have an issue with it now, but, like, when you're 27, it just seems a shock. Yeah. Is when, and, like, that's when people started noticing, like, friends of mine were noticing and kind of ragging on me about it. Yeah. I so think it's good, different like, for men. In a, good, in a good-natured way, I mean, not. Yeah. yeah, but I think it's different for men. You know, especially if you you start to go gray younger, because there's that stereotype that uh, you're not producing as much testosterone, so you're not manly enough. And I think that's kind of BS. In the same way, I think women who embrace the gray and go full gray are considered old and uh, spinsterly. No, I I think gray hair is awesome. I love it. Well, I never, I never heard about like the you get gray hair when you stop producing testosterone. I never heard that. Oh, yeah. People used to make fun of my partner all the time for that. They used to tell us that uh, you guys are never going to be able to have kids and uh, you should go get tested to make sure there's nothing wrong with you. And it was just really kind of crappy. Oh, because my uncle, I have an uncle who went gray early on. And uh, he, I mean, he had kids afterwards. He, st- he was still able to have kids, so. Oh yeah, my partner's been uh, yeah, I never, I, sixteen, and we have we have our kids. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've never yeah I've never heard of that. So. Yeah, it was just this weird thing. Like all of the guy friends that we both had were like, "Oh, dude, you should probably go get that tested and make sure nothing's wrong with like your sperm counts and stuff." I'm like, yeah. it doesn't matter. I think it's sexy. He likes it. Like, uh, we'll cross that bridge if we come to it. It's not a big deal. There is no shame in infertility. And it's taken me a long time to come to that a conclusion. But after everything that I've been through, <laughs> I mean, it's just it's frustrating that there's so much shame around it, especially when it's the men who are infertile. There's so much frustration there. But we'll talk about that again on another day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Because I, I, that's a that's a whole topic in day and of itself, Joey. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I, I mean, that's, I mean, we that's a topic that we can discuss another day. I don't know how much I'll be able to relate relate to it because I've never attempted to have kids myself. Yeah, but I mean, it still falls under the mental health portion of men and and the stereotypes that men face, which I think we have scheduled for later this month, or is it December? I can't remember. I think it's this month. I think it is too. Either way, <laughs> moving on. <laughs> Uh, so yeah heavy topic and i it's a it's a hard topic for both of us because we've both been uh so affected by it and i think that's why we kind of keep pushing it towards the back burner like we always do (laughs) and i don't mean to laugh but it's 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 for people that have called me out on the laughing that i do during our show it's really more of an uncomfortable uh tick that i have anytime i feel uncomfortable i kind of giggle because it yeah Let's me keep going. Yeah, is I mean I do it myself too, and you know we're not laughing, but like there's a like I've heard a uh, a homi- I've heard a homicide detective uh, tell this story like whenever he's given the uh, had to give like the death notifications to family members of a murder he has to investigate. He's gotten every reaction from. He says some people laugh, and it's just like your body has this 
this reactionary thing where you can't control what happens. Mm-hmm. So, like, he said, like, some people have passed out. Some people have, like, fallen down crying. Some be- and he's like, he's like, yeah, and some people even laugh. Like, they can't help it. Like they don't like they don't think it's funny. It's just their body doesn't know how to react, and it's just giving off like any thing it can do. Yeah, it's 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 a weird tick. It's a weird social experiment that ha- have happened. But it, I mean, it, the range of reactions you're going to have to a topic that makes you uncomfortable, either because especially if you if, especially if you've had a personal uh, tie into it, but any com- any topic that's going to make you uncomfortable. Yeah. You're going to have gut reactions to and hair trigger reactions to how you talk about it. And I really just want to put that out there because there's definitely going to be some uncomfortable pauses and some uncomfortable giggling. And I don't want anybody to take it the wrong way because that's not at all us. Yeah. That's definitely, and I, I feel like most people who listen to this do know that. Yeah. I think we've been doing this long enough and we have some, some pretty loyal listeners that understand how we, uh, we run things <laughs> to say the least but uh yeah it's just yeah all right so um i have pulled up some statistics for the u.s and i apologize that these are not world statistics but the world statistics i could find are kind of um i don't necessarily want to say biased but they're, they're definitely coming from two polar sides of the spectrum and I, I feel like the the places I can actually lock on to that I respect enough to quote statistics from, given the research that I put into this kind of stuff, um, unfortunately for right now are, are only in the U.S. And I found ones that are great for only the U.K. and I found ones that are great for only uh, the continent of Asia and some for uh, the rest of Europe and stuff like that. But trying to then take those and make it into a generalized world statistic doesn't work. And I apologize. If you are not listening from the U S if you are listening from uh, Canada or our one in Israel, hi, we love you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, You know, I, I do apologize that I don't have statistics for you guys. If you have them or if you have uh, links that you want to send us so that I can do some research more about that and try and compose this generalized data, I would love to do that for everybody because I, I think it, it should be talked about more worldwide instead of just during the month of November here and uh, some other months throughout the world, depending on when you decide to put the awareness holiday on. But anyway, um, here in the U.S., Suicide is the 10th leading cause of death. And that's, I mean, that's, that's pretty high. When suicide is in the top 10 reasons why somebody passes away, why we lose somebody in our lives, that's a little terrifying, at least to me. Because it, it means that it's not as uncommon as people like to try and say. Um, in 2017... 47,200 Americans died by suicide. And that's just of the known reported ones or the known uh, where coroner reports actually were able to say, yes, this was a a suicide. The numbers could be higher uh, because there are family members that don't want that stigma and they will 
change things and it'll go underreported. Um, there are also cases where multiple people um, will kind of have, I don't want to, I don't want to say culty uh, situation where, you know, the, there was that one group that drank the Kool-Aid and they all, um, yeah, but there um, are, situations like that. yes, yeah. thank you. Um, situations and those do still happen, but usually they're more, um, on, on smaller scales, couples, families, etc. But those are harder to rule out as true suicides because there's a homicide kind of gets twisted in there too, and it becomes difficult to actually factor into the statistics. So this is a rounded number, and I know it's a rounded number because it states it's a rounded number. Um, but even then, if you think about how big that number is, we are now talking that one in fourteen individuals have a have a died by suicide in 2017 and that's just three years ago and i can only imagine that that number has uh gotten larger Uh, i would hope that it's gotten smaller but given um our world today and our political climate and the way our health system works um i'm i'm sure that it's it's gotten bigger and that makes me really sad of that um one in 14 men take up an entire five percent of that men are uh three times more likely to uh commit suicide than women are and white males account for 70 percent of suicide deaths This isn't to say that it's a race issue. And I don't point that out to say that it's a race issue. I, I, I think it, I think, I think it goes back to um, that thing I talked about here before where men are taught to like bottle their emotions up and not talk about their feelings. Yes. Oh, so, um, There's there's definitely a lot of guilt there, I would think. Yeah. And I think as our country tries to progress and we accept that uh, uh, this is a difficult topic for me because I don't want to, I don't want to breach out of my lane, but as a white person, I feel like a lot of people in certain age groups are struggling with really how much closeted uh, negativity they've had and not just in a mental health aspect. I feel like it can be political. I feel like it can be social. And I, I think that that kind of creates an upset and it stirs up that guilt and it makes it a little bit harder. And I'm not saying that it's harder for this group because they feel that guilt or because they have all that power and the weight of it comes down on them. I'm saying that it makes it harder because you you kind of come from this place of feeling judged. And some people can learn from that, that fearing and fear of judgment and other people kind of internalize it as Joey just said, and they hold it inside and, and men do this way more than women. And 
it's it's not a bad thing that you do. It's just it's a learned behavior. And it can also be a safety mechanism. Yeah, that, that makes sense. You know, I, I, I might be completely wrong. I honestly seeing this number shocked me. Because um, to me, I mean, I would think it would be a little bit more balanced personally. But when you look at the statistics of it, it's a little jarring. And being a person that is very much about understanding my privilege, especially since I have an African-American brother uh, who prefers that I call him black. So I apologize. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> he lost a family member to suicide. And of the people that I've personally lost, and have talked to in, in, in groups for having attempted uh, things. It's, it's not just one, you know, there's, there's not a majority of us. It's very mixed. It's very well mixed. And to see that the statistic, 70% of white men, that's shocking to me. Cause I really did think it would be more balanced. And uh, I'm curious to see if it would still be that way if we if we were able to have generalized uh, world statistics, or if it would be more balanced, but that then brings into the question of how are we raising our men where they they feel like this is the only out? You know what what are the other uh, races doing better than we are? And I know that sounds really bad for me to say. Yeah, um, yeah, I wouldn't know how to put it myself. No, I just it just seems like the most simple way to, to, to word it. And I apologize if that offends anybody. I really do. But I, I'm at a loss right now when I see that number. But yeah. Um, I, know, I know you've talked about it before, how... Uh, there was a lot of weight for you to man up and, and to be like, don't cry uh, and all that stuff. And I, I've never experienced that because I'm female and, you know, I, I was told to hide my crazy if I had to have a meltdown or whatever, that I had to kind of like wait until I was in, a, in an area where nobody could see me, but I was still allowed to do it. And I feel like from what you've told me and what you've talked about in our podcast, you were told it's not okay it, it never happens it doesn't matter if the door is closed it doesn't matter if you're alone it doesn't happen and I wonder if my brother was taught the same thing I wonder if one of my friends who's uh uh I'm, I'm sorry I'm blanking on this I really apologize uh Anyway, moving on, I, I just, I wonder if all of my male friends that are of different ethnicities and different religions and different cultures than I am, were taught the same as, as you, if that makes sense. If, if they were told that it doesn't happen or if they were embraced and told feelings and emotions are okay. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know. No, I, I don't either, but I'm, I'm curious yeah. to know. So if there are anybody listening that can kind of 
give us some feedback on how it was that you were uh, taught as a child to handle emotions as, as a male or a male representing individual. I'd, I'd be interested to know that. Um, already, uh, today's November 4th, and there have already been an estimated 15... Uh, 1,500,000 suicide attempts in the U.S. This year? Yeah. And that's estimated. That's, that's going off of what's been reported and based off of surveys of people that are willing to talk about it and internet searches and everything else. That mm. number hurts my heart. Yeah. yeah. And it hurts my heart because of the age groups like there's literally a chart underneath here that shows the different age groups and it has less than 15 all the way up to 85 percent older and the groups that are the highest are are right around our age group the 35 to 44 and then right under that is 15 to 24 under that is 60s to 70s. You know, 85 and older is tied with the less than 15. And seeing that the less than 15 is, is, is near the bottom lets me breathe a sigh of relief. But the fact that that age group even has to be on here and the fact that I'm watching it be stagnant at zero and then tick up as you know, once we got past 2016 into now hurts. And it hurts because I think of the age I was when I first started thinking about hurting myself and the age that I did start hurting myself and then the age that I had my very first attempt. And I just, I want to cry looking at this. I really do. Because just just based off of this, twenty two percent of adults thirty to forty five have a, have attempted suicide. Just when they're in that age range, or I yeah, just in that age range from two thousand to to now. Yeah, it's, it's hard to take. It, it is. It really is. Yeah. And uh, adolescents and young adults aged 15 to 25 uh, saw a 14% in increase from uh, 2014 on. Like, I just, I just want to cry right now, and I don't even know why. I, I think it's just because looking at this, it's so big. And 
it's something that's already affected us. Yeah. We're, 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 I guess we're afraid of, like, it happening more with, because, um, I texted you this before we started, um, I, I didn't know exactly how I would get into this today, but I wanted to just acknowledge something that happened this week. Um, and this, I don't want to say this is a suicide because it hasn't been specifically stated that it's been, but there is some things I've seen posted that that give me the impression that that's what it possibly could be. Okay. But uh, on Friday, I found out that a friend of mine who I worked several years with and was one of the favorite people I worked with, he ended up passing away this week. I'm very sorry. And, And, yeah, it's just me and everyone else who knew him and was friends with him is we just can't wrap our heads around it. No, it's it's a hard thing to wrap your head around. No matter how long you've known the person, no matter if you saw potential for it, I guess is the best word I can come up with. It just... Yeah, and if, if that's not... If that wasn't the cause of his death, and I, I apologize, but there, because again, it hasn't been specifically stated that it was, that that's what it was, but I'm, based on a couple of things I've seen mentioned, it, I'm getting that impression. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so, I, I tried to I tried to record a little episode of mine of the Joey Losing Way podcast talking about it and I ended up deleting it like I couldn't get the words out. So I'm still you know, I'm still trying to process it. It's just so hard to get my head around it with this guy. Yeah. It's, he you know, he he really showed no signs of having, as much as I knew him, he showed no signs of having a mental struggle, which that's, uh, that's a lot of things that go around, which there's that, you know, there's that photo going around with uh, Robin Williams and yeah. Chris Farley and, you know, all these, uh, all these celebrities smiling. And says, this is what depression looks like, you know, and it's like a picture of your happy friends. Yeah. And so it's it's sad that that can, that we can have no clue and it gets, you know, it's, I guess they're able to mask it somehow. I've, I've never been good at masking my depression. You know, a lot, a lot of my friends can pick out when something's wrong. And, uh, 
deal. Some people you just never know. I've gotten really good at hiding it. And I, I think I got good at hiding it uh, in my marriage because it was a survival technique. If I hid how miserable I was, then he was happy. And when he was happy, I wasn't abused. And it has been stated that any kind of abuse or bullying, whether in the home or with a partner, just any type of victimization that somebody with a mental illness or uh, a, a difference has, it increases their likelihood of self-harming and, and suicide attempt by 3%. Or, excuse me, but it makes them three times more likely. You know, and I always say to people, how, you know, that ask me, how can I make sure you're safe? How can I make sure you're okay? My response has always been, check on me when you think I'm okay. Don't check on me when you know I'm having a rough time. Like, I, that's not to say don't, you know, if I'm venting about something, I am accepting that something is wrong and I'm asking for help and I'm doing the right things. And those are the moments where you don't have to worry. It's when everything seems to be going okay, but I'm not talking as much or I'm not doing this as much and I just keep, oh, I'm busy, oh, I'm this, or, you know, there's a veil and there's a persona that comes out and like check on me when every everything seems to be going too well and people have been shocked by that and I'm like that's usually somebody that's going to to attempt something as permanent as this has a rush of euphoria beforehand because they have a plan. They have an out. Everything's about to get better. Yeah, so if you, can... I'm I'm sorry. I was. It's okay. Go I'm ahead. But the thing, the thing is, and I acknowledge this. It can be very hard to spot that. I mean, or it can. You know what I mean? It's yeah. uh, like you, you just. Again, they they appear happy, and you don't. You're thinking like, oh, they got, they got over what was bothering them, or. I mean, it, it that that is probably the hardest part of, like, trying to see something like this coming. Yeah, because it, it to anybody else that's not in the know or that hasn't been through the trenches that are suicide and what comes with it. It looks like somebody was able to just quote unquote, get over it. And for me personally, no, I didn't get over it. I just, I figured it out. I figured out a way to make myself feeling less. Yeah. And that was euphoric to me. That was amazing to me because I had this perfect 
plan of how it was going to happen. And just the thought that if this worked, I wouldn't feel the way that I was feeling. I wouldn't, my, my friends wouldn't feel the way that they did around me because I wasn't feeling this way. And so on. It's, it's a snowball, but it's this, it's instead of it being a snowball that's bad, that buries you, it's a snowball you're pushing off of you. And it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller as it rolls away because now my family isn't worried. Now my friends are happier because I'm not a downer. Now this is better. Now that is better. Now these people are better. And it, it kind of gives you this power surge that everything is going to be okay. Here's the thing, though. It's not. No. It, and it's I, not. I, I, saw some, I saw some quotes somewhere. It says, uh, suicide doesn't take the pain away. It just... It just pushes it off to, uh, to somebody to else. Passes it on. Yes. Yeah. And that's the problem when when you do something so permanent. There, it's not a coward move, and I hate that people suggest that it's a cowardly move. It's yeah. not a, a power move either. Um, suicide is just it's this it's. For me, dying was the ultimate problem solver. For other people, winning the lottery is the ultimate problem solver. Some people, it's getting the right amount of meds that's the problem solver. It's finding a person who's going to love you the way that you've always wanted to be loved. There are so many different problem solvers. That's all suicide is. It is a, an end, a means to the end of your problem. It has nothing to do with being a coward. It has nothing to do with not being strong enough. It has nothing to do with being brave. It has nothing to do with any of that. It has to just do with a person being tired and wanting to, to feel different, to be different, to not be stuck. And a lot of people I know are going to be like, well, you're wrong. That's not how it is. It's a selfish thing because it hurts all these people. And it's a cowardly thing because death should come naturally or, or, or in a blaze of glory. And pardon me, but fuck you. No. Yes. But when I've had suicidal thoughts, I've never, I in my mind, I, I didn't think that it was just the easy way out. I didn't think that, I didn't think about the, I, I mean, ultimately I thought about how it would hurt others and that's what's kept me from doing it. But like when people have that thing, that thing in their brain where they're, where they see no other option. For me, when I would get to the deepest depression I also had the feeling that everyone would be better off. Exactly. Everyone else would, like I was a burden to other one. I was a downer. And I didn't want to be that anymore. So yeah. the thought, so some of the thought process is, well, everyone will just be better off. I'm not hurting anyone. Exactly. And I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually doing this for their benefit. Yeah. And my therapist, the one time I opened up about 
how I was still feeling that way, even though I haven't attempted in a very long time, told me it's not selfish. It's actually very selfless because you're looking at a way to make everybody else better. And I didn't agree with that either. You know, I, I'm of the mindset that that suicide is none of those things. It's a very gray area because everybody likes to look at it black and white. This is a selfless action. This is a selfish action. This is a power move. This is a cowardly move. It's none of those things. It is a true gray area because it is not about anybody else but that person in the moment. And it's not that they did anything wrong. It's not that they want to hurt anybody. It's not that they don't want to hurt anybody. It's. You don't know what's going through someone's mind in that moment. Yes. I, I guess the best way I can explain it for anybody who has never been there is imagine being trapped in the same situation over and over again and wanting it to end. And you've tried everything. You've checked all the doors. You've checked all the windows. You've built things to destroy those to try and get out of them. You've tried making the room that you're locked in and trapped in appealing to you. So it's not as much of a dungeon. You've tried taking different medications. You've tried food. You've tried people. You've tried anything to fulfill that, that terror, anything to untrap yourself and to take your power back. And there's nothing left. It is a very... It is a very gray because it's not helpless, but it's also not helpful. And when you first experience anything like that, when, when you've never dealt with this before and that attempt doesn't work out, you realize, like Joey said, that this actually does hurt more people than you imagined and it hurts them in a way that you didn't imagine it doesn't make them better and that for a lot of people like you joey it it makes you not do it because you don't want to hurt those people and you don't want to let them down and you don't want to have them you don't want to pass all of your pain onto their shoulders for other people it's a struggle and i've talked to my old therapist i've talked to my new therapist now about this and i've explained I'm terrified of what's going to happen when my children are adults. Because to me right now, the only reason for me to not hurt myself is the fact that as much as I think they'd be better off without me, they need me. And when, when they hit a certain age, and they no longer need me. What then? There's a movie that I saw recently, or at least a preview for, where you can figure out how long you have before you die. And some of them have three hours, some of them have 37 years, some of this and this. That's what I feel. I feel like there is a, an internal countdown clock to when both of my children will be legal adults and they will no longer rely on me and they will no longer need me the way that they need me now. And when that clock hits zero, I don't know what's going to happen. Because there have been nights where I've sat there after they've both gone to bed and I've been alone and 
I've, I've had to go and, and take all the knives out of the knife drawer. I've had to go and take all the scissors and take everything else, take all of my medications and put them in a garbage bag and take that garbage bag out to the garage. Because I don't trust myself. And that's a hard thing to admit. It's a hard thing to understand if you've never been there. It's a hard thing to live with. It's, um, it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not so much of whether or not you think they'll need you because they'll still be hurt, regardless of what age they are. It, um, I, I just I hope you realize that. Oh, I I do, but it's it's a fear that I have. It's a fear that's in the yeah. back of my head, and I'm trying to be as proactive as I can about it. And I'm trying to be, uh, you know, on top of it. But it is one of those things that's terrifying. Yeah, I can I can believe that, and I can understand that. And I think that's one of the things that many people when this topic comes up and they immediately start to uh, take a side of whether it's the, you know, whatever your feelings are towards it, they don't understand and they don't think about. And I don't say these things and I don't discuss this to have people check in on me although if you do check in on me I'm going to be very grateful um, I don't say them for sympathy I don't I, I say them so that people get an understanding of how it doesn't go away doesn't end and uh, to try and give somebody a better idea of the mindset because it, it's not about hurting somebody. It's not about what's best for me as a person. It's it's a it's an internal power struggle that becomes worse when you can't find something else to occupy yourself with. It's it's a it's a big black hole in your life and it sucks. It's a, it's hard for me to explain to myself. And everybody has to remember that's listening. We're just two people that have gone through this. We are two people that have lost people to this. Two people that have experienced it. And we only have our viewpoints to share. You can talk to 10 different therapists about the subject and their feelings, and it's gonna span the entire gray spectrum. It's gonna be from very black to very white to gray to different shades and various things because they all have different opinions. It, 
there is no one size fits all when it comes to this. All I know as somebody who has made attempts and who still struggles with ideation is that when I feel that euphoria that this could work out and this fear and pain and frustration and everything that I haven't found a way to stop, everything that is wrong about me or that I think is wrong because nothing, we're all wrong fine the way that we are. It's just our preconceived notions. And, and for anybody in the LGBTQIA community, it can be an external thing where somebody else is telling you that it's wrong on top of you telling you that you're wrong, which is just an entirely bigger clusterfuck. But it's taking all of those things and looking around you and seeing how it affects the people and thinking to yourself, they would be so much better if this didn't affect them. There's an old saying, especially when it comes to relationships, that if you've had X amount of crazy exes or there's the same problem that you run into every time you're in a relationship, maybe the problem is you and you need to look internally. And for those of us that have thought about suicide, who have attempted suicide, we take that very personal because we look at our surroundings and we've tried this, we've tried that, we've tried this. Everybody's telling us that this is still bothering them, that we're to this, we're to that. And at some point we look at it, we internalize it and we go, I'm the problem. And for some people, it's an easy change. They can, they can go to a therapist, they can try meds, they can find a hobby, they can, you know, whatever. And then for others, you try all that and nothing works. And what are you left with? You. It is a very empty existence. It is a very empty feeling. Um, yeah, that's, I don't know how else to put it myself. I think looking at the statistics again of this, of how it's done, we've all always known that, any means of suffocation and any use of firearms are the two biggest methods that are utilized. Poisoning comes in a very close third to any means of suffocation and then other is the rest of the pie and other can span from a mix of the two. It can span from uh, people jumping into traffic or people jumping off of bridges. It can, uh, all of those kind of uh, scenarios. Firearms, though, has risen in the past several years from 50% to almost 60%. And there's, there's a very wide debate right now within our country over gun laws and firearm laws. And when I look at the statistic and I look back at those age groups, I don't care what your feelings are towards firearms. A discussion needs to happen. Because if that is the easiest route to go, 
we are doing a disservice by making it so easy for them to be that high in the pie. Yeah. And I've, I've never owned a gun and I don't think I ever would partly because of that fear I have where I have a manic episode and I just hastily do that. Yeah. Um, it, would get, it would just be too easy. I mean, I've, I have no issue with firearms. I think they're, you know, in, in the right setting, they can I, be, you know, I, um, but I have the same issue as you. And my partner and I have discussed getting one and having a safe and my not having the code. And at first I thought that's a good idea. Let's not give me the code. That's really smart. And then I thought, hmm, if it's for home protection, it's kind of stupid of me not to have it either. Yeah. So there's, there's, in, in my situation, there's no win with it because there's either the risk of me hurting myself or somebody else with it. Or there's a risk of me being able to protect myself, but not knowing the damn code to get into the safe to get at it. So it's just, it's become a, a topic that we just don't talk about anymore. Yeah. Well, my but family, I, we have a, like, uh, my dad would keep a baseball bat by the bed. Yeah. I have one and of those right by the door. Home, yeah, that's our home protection. I have a, a baseball bat, I have a Louisville slugger right by my door. And uh yeah, that's my that's my protection. Yeah. And I have I have a, a very vast collection of knives that I hide around the house. <laughs> <laughs> well, um I mean I, I got the pocket knife too or so I mean the like God forbid uh someone should break in at night. Like I have I can find some means to protect myself unless they have a gun. Yeah, well, um, tangent, but it goes in with the protecting yourself. Uh, one of the women in my uh, area murderinos group asked after there was an incident uh, in one of our, our walking paths how they can better protect themselves and, and just generally asked us what we all carry to protect ourselves if we walk. And I walk at night. You know, anybody that follows me on Instagram knows this. It's not a, you know, I don't think of it an issue. I have hobs usually, but even then I take a uh, ceramic knife with me. And I said, why ceramic? Because I know how much pressure I need to snap the blade off. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of the, one of the women in there, <laughs> bless her, uh, was telling me how that's a bad idea because then they can keep going because it blocks the wound. And I'm like, you're right. However, they'd have to seek medical attention at a hospital. And no cop is going to go, hmm, this guy has a ceramic blade in himself. And let that person go. Yeah. So, that, I mean, you know, I, I might die. You know, that's, that's the possibility there. But at least they'd be able to find who killed me. Um, that's a morbid topic to think about. Yay, true crime being brought into our mental health podcast. Well, they... Like the, I think they told those stories on the podcast where like someone will like deliberately try to get their DNA under their fingernails. Yeah. Like if they know, if they absolutely are sure they're going to die, 
and they yeah. can't fight their way out of it. Do all you can to like get as much like scratch like hell and get their DNA under your fingernails. Yeah. And you know, stuff like that. Right. Yeah. So Yeah, nice to go off on a little true crime tangent. Exactly. I was gonna say, yay, true crime. Um <laughs> We should also state like they do on that podcast. We don't find murder fun. No, we don't. We don't. Not by any means. Uh, it is fascinating to both of us, though. Uh, yeah. Just, you know, mental health is fascinating to both of us. And not just because we both suffer from mental health issues. Yeah. It is. It's fascinating to me all the different facets and the way that different things can present itself. And uh, true crime is fascinating to me because... As I've said multiple times on Joey's uh, Joey Losing Weight podcast, I find it fascinating because I, I I'm curious how the mind works for them. Yeah. So. And also, there are some. I've heard uh, if you listen to the last podcast on the left, I've heard Marcus talk about this at least on the Columbine episode they did, where. They, like Marcus himself found himself relating to Dylan Klebold. Yeah. Like if, like if he, he said like Dylan Klebold being part of that was a certain amount of circumstances like him becoming friends with Eric Harris and all this other stuff. He said like if Marcus felt if he was in that situation he could have ended up like that too. Yeah, I mean it's it's amazing how. Something's in there. Yeah, it like for those of us who have suffered with mental illness, like me, there may be a like a serial killer or some other. And let me clarify this: I am not going to become a serial killer. (laughs) For those of you, okay, like I don't, I'm never going to murder anyone. Like, just don't think that. But there are some aspects of when I do a research on like a, for example Jeffrey Dahmer and you hear about how he grew up mm-hmm. and like how he felt isolated and there are some aspects with uh, with how like some serial killers grew up and like the environments they grew up in where you can see some parallels in yourself yeah and that's it's scary, but it's uh, also fascinating. Mm-hmm. So. Well, it's like I always think of the rhyme about um, the, the chick that gave her mother 40 wax, and I'm like, oh. Lizzie Borden. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> wow, okay, so I'm like one step away from, from being her. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's oh, just... That rhyme is wrong. Like, she didn't attack her parents, like, nearly that many times. No, no, not at all. But, yeah. Anyway, just just reading more about her and uh, the reasons why. And just, I mean, heck, I, uh, you know, like, anything like that. Like, even with the Gypsy Rose cases, I'm like, yeah, I probably would have stabbed my mother, too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, you understand 
Yeah. <sighs> we all have and different. There were some other ones. There were some other ones like Ted Bundy, where like, no, you're just a straight up psychopath. Like, yeah, there's some creepers out there that are just. Yeah. Mm, something was wrong with with the way that your brain formed. Yeah. But they're very far between. Most of them are just real people that just ended up in situations and not being able to deal. It's the same with with this. No, I mean, we're all only human. We all handle different things differently. And we all make choices that either lead us down the route of being normal, understandable human beings or into the serial killer range, I guess. Yeah. And let me just clarify again. I will not become a serial killer or murder anyone. Okay. I'm yeah. I'm with that clarification, but I can't make it for myself. <laughs> I can't. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't want to be profiled on any true crime podcasts. Yeah. No. Please. You know, I don't want any documentaries made about. Any true crime documentaries made about me? Mm-hmm. Let me say that. <laughs> no, but yeah, again, this, you know, was, you know, so people like us with our mental, with our mental health struggles, like we see parallels of ourselves and some of these people. So yeah, that's what makes it fascinating. Well, what do you think, Allison? Uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm mentally exhausted now. Yeah. Um, but do you feel we... I think we covered as much as we are capable of covering. And that's, you know, we've never put this disclaimer out there since our first episode. And I want to put it out there again. We are mental health advocates, but we are not mental health specialists. The only things we come come near to specializing in is stuff that we have lived through because we live it every day and even then we're only experts with what goes on in our brains we can only give you and offer you an insight on us and what we've felt in these situations and how we've dealt with them and what works for us isn't going to work for everybody what works for us may be may, may actually work for you what works for us may hurt you more it just depends there is no wrong or right when it comes to how you handle your mental health unless you become a serial killer and then well you might have chosen poorly um <laughs> i do say that you know, that that that's me trying to remove some of the anxiety i'm feeling over talking about this but um we're not specialists we can't diagnose anybody. We can't give you any more information than what we have and what we've researched. And we do try to research. Um, but we're not perfect. You know, and, and I think that's what's great about us is that we're not perfect. That we are, are just as flawed as the topics that we talk about and, you know, the topics that we deal with, if that makes sense. Yes, huh? Did something break in the background? It sounded like something. My partner is trying to make himself ramen, and he's not as stealthy as he thinks he is. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure everything's okay there. <laughs> <laughs> just gave me the finger. 
because he loves me so so much. Um, yeah, no, he just keeps dropping his fork. <laughs> okay, <laughs> no biggie. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I think I think that's all we can say on the matter. And uh, I mean, I I feel we did what we could. Yeah. With this, and we. I I don't know. It's this it's is a, a difficult. You know, it's it's, a, it's there's no ending like our usual ones. You know, this is a very yeah. ended topic. It's a it's a topic that we're going to come back and talk about more than once. Is a topic that we're going to have kind of throughout because it's affected our lives so bad, and it's a topic that's going to weave in and out of all of our podcasts potentially, um, because. It's a mental health topic that is so horribly stigmatized. There is so much rejection and and frustration and fear that surrounds this topic. So it's it's hard to find a place to stop because there's so much we can talk about. Yeah. And, and I, well, I, I figure we're stopping now because of uh, t- like time yeah. Like, like we got other stuff to do today. So. Yes. But, it's also because we don't want to keep talking, you know, everybody's ears off for three hours because I think we'd lose people. Like you'd fall asleep. Yeah. But if you listen, like I know you like you saw the title of this episode, and it could be hard to listen to something like this. But if you listen, we appreciate you. We're grateful you listened. If you didn't listen, then we understand. Yeah. Um, now if you did listen and anything we said spoke out to you or or was like hey I feel that way we're here any time of day any time of night um, I actually met a really nice guy who listened to our podcast recently and one of our episodes jumped out to him and he started messaging me on Instagram and we've become uh, mental health buddies we check in with each other every now and again he has my phone number now that's awesome yeah, you know, I mean, this is what we're here to do. We're here to help you, you know, yeah. therapists again. But if something we said speaks to you and you want to reach out to one of us and be like, hey, uh, I connect with what you said because I'm going through the same. We are more than willing to talk to you about it. We are more than willing to help you as best we can. Yeah, well, and... Or we can just listen. I mean, we we don't have, we likely don't have the answers for you, but we're, uh, you're more than valid to us. Yeah, we're not going to feed you any fruitful of fluff either. There's that word again. I love it. Buzzword of fluff. Someday I'm going to get t-shirts made with some slogans of ours. There's going to be like fruitful of fluff and... Various uh, <laughs> technical difficulties and which we've made it an hour and seven minutes without it. Oh. so we've I think been we can... <laughs> as much as I love talking to you, I think we should end this quickly before I feel like Jesus. So I know, right? We just we just said it, so now we're gonna have technical difficulties. Um, so yeah. Uh, next week, we have a special guest who is one of my very close friends and epilepsy buddies who's going to talk to us a little bit more about that invisible illnesses that I uh, said. 
unless we have a scheduling issue again. And then after that, we start talking about the holidays because aren't those fun? Oh boy, they can be. Uh, I'm putting this out now. If anybody wants to get myself a Christmas present, I will take alcohol cards <laughs> because that's the only way I can survive my family. I'm kidding, uh, but mostly not. Um, uh, huh. We'll get into that though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if, if you have crazy family um, and want to know how to survive the holidays, stay tuned for our holiday survival guide because it's a common. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear. It's that one. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh... Yeah, and also uh, check the episode description. I'll have links to our Instagrams, and I'll include the link to Allison's book. Yes. Playing with Fire, which yes. I I saw I saw you post a thing on that. Yeah. Which, uh, which um you, which uh, I guess like you found out there were some issues with the first edition of it. Yeah, so the editor I hired didn't uh, do as vigilant of a job as I had hoped. I'm hoping it's just because he got super into the book and stopped doing his job. Uh, <laughs> but you never know. Um, you know, no, no first edition is ever perfect. I mean, I have first edition Stephen King books in my bedroom that I pulled out, and there's typos and uh, grammatical errors, even in those. So, you know, hey. Um, it will be adjusted when book two comes out. Uh, it'll still be the same title. It'll just be edition two. And it'll also be available on uh, Kindle and in paperback. And hopefully by then, uh, hardcover. For anybody that's interested in hardcover books. Uh, but yeah. I'm excited. It's doing great. Uh, I'd I like people who've read it to review if uh, you can, if you can spare a review for uh, Playing With Fire, or if you can spare a review for our wonderful podcast, subscribe and uh, review so we can get more listeners. Share us with friends. Share my book with friends. Just just yes, share. And, um, I believe I told you someone had checked your book out of uh, the library where I work. Yes, you did. <laughs> it, it's, it's been returned, although I, I've been unable to find out what that individual thought of it mm -hmm. because it was returned while I was not there. Okay. But, but it, your book has been checked out. Yeah. In the library. So someone did read it. Yeah. And it was gone long enough to be read. So that makes me happy. <laughs> yeah. I think they even renewed it. Oh, <gasps> Ooh. So yeah, but it was returned not too long ago. However, I could not get their opinion on it. That's okay. So. I like opinions, good, bad. Uh, my Nana has been a pretty harsh critic, but again, we'll talk about that another day. Uh, but yeah, it seems to be well received from those who have, you know, talked to me about it. But I, I you know, I can't tell if it's fruitful of fluff or reality. Reality. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I'll be honest with you. I, I still have to finish it myself. It's okay. But. Yes, it's, we're getting into a season now at the library where I put holds on a bunch of books that are coming out, and then they're all coming out once. Yes. So, 
I got a lot on my plate, but I will get to your book. I will oh, finish I your book. There's no, there's no rush. That's okay. You enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. Yeah. Everybody have a great Monday. Thank you for putting us in your ears. Yes, and uh, we will talk to you next week. And I love you, Allison. I love you too, Mr. Joey. We love all of our listeners. Stay happy, healthy, and mentally safe. <laughs> I, I don't know. The Hold on, we rehearsed this. <laughs> we don't rehearse anything. I was, I was going to say for sure, but that sounds silly, but okay. Uh, everyone have a great week. We will talk to you next Monday. Yeah, bye, everybody. Bye.